Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. In 1982, Musical Youth released Pass the Duchy, and it quickly became one of the fastest-selling singles of that year. While it wasn't intended to be about weed, it quickly became a stoner anthem. Regardless of the meaning of the song, their album went quadruple platinum and was also Grammy-nominated. This week, we're joined by longtime Less Than Jake and current Inevitables drummer Vinny Fiorello to decide if this song is one-hit thunder or if we should pass Musical Youth to the left-hand side. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder Vinny, I'm so glad you picked Musical Youth Past the Duchy because this is my favorite song in a very specific genre of music. And that very specific genre of music is songs where children sing about smoking weed. You know what? I would give it to you that you are correct in that, but we're going to talk about it, that the Duchy is actually a pot that people cooked in in Jamaica that it's a commentary <laughs> on starvation later was co-opted uh, right. because it's pasta coochie, which is marijuana. Right, yeah. <laughs> After the song came out, it was kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy of singing that song. But also, I never realized this song was a sort of cover. <laughs> it, it was a cover, but they changed the words, basically. Yeah. Uh, it originally was pasta coochie, which meant marijuana, and uh, later was a kind of cover, but uh, like you said, uh, changed the duchy, and it was a more political commentary about not having enough money, therefore not having enough food, and the politicians are to blame for it. Right. And it took me this long to find out what a duchy is. I always yeah. just assumed, always just assumed it was a joint, just like we talked about. But yeah, it's actually a pot for uh, making food and uh, a great song that probably one of my all time favorite one hit wonders. I'll get straight to that. This song is amazing. It's been a part of pop culture. I think I first became aware of this song because of the movie, The Wedding Singer, <laughs> but it's been in everything. 
Were you a fan of this song? You were a young boy at the time, but did you know this song at the time when it came out in 1982? I, I did because I was 12 years old and it's the dawn of MTV, right? So right. MTV only had so many videos to play and this happened to be one of them. So I was you know, squeezed in between Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles. Right. Then you had Musical Youth and then you had... Uh, some other like, you know, ob- obscure, you know, Love Plus One by Haircut 100 or something like that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> for sure. And I saw something very interesting about Musical Youth. They were the first black artists to appear in an actual studio segment on MTV. Nice. That's that's pretty cool. I also didn't know this, but they were put together by their fathers, put the band together in 1979 in England. One of the fathers was in a band called The Techniques, who I'm not familiar with. Are you familiar with The Techniques? I am not, but when I had a long time ago sort of did some digging on it, and I actually really like the full record, you know, and we'll get there, like the, right. the full length of it, but I knew that some of their, their fathers were involved in reggae music back in Jamaica, and then they moved to England. Right. I do think, I listened to this whole album, and the the album's, gr- the album's great, man, and it's always weird when you're listening to children <laughs> play music. It's almost like, it feels strange, but I, I, for some reason, have always been a fan of children who are really good at music. <laughs> starting starting as back if, as far back as like I guess for me the Jackson Five. I love the Jackson Five. I love New Edition. I love Another Bad Creation. <laughs> like all these bands of children that are just actually really good, and and a lot of them go on to be adult stars because they're so good right from the start. I feel like a lot of people feel that way about Hanson as well. Uh, not. Not personally a Hanson fan, but from what I hear from people, those kids grew up to be adults that are really, really good at music. <laughs> yeah, you, you are correct on that. It seems like, dude, Musical Youth just released a new song this year, by the way. Get out I don't of know. here, really? I, did, I didn't know that. I'm dead serious. They're still going. They broke up a long time ago, got back together. And I, when I was doing my research, I'm like, damn, they got a single in 2020. And I won't lie. It's pretty damn good, man. It's <laughs> it's exactly what you'd expect. It's it's reggae. It's a, it's a little more little more soulful than fun. I thought they were a little more fun reggae back in the day, despite the seriousness of the lyrics. Uh, it's still that it still had a fun vibe to it, uh, no doubt, because I can vouch for that because in Punchline, this is one of the songs <laughs> we always like to hacky sack outside of the shows. And we have... <laughs> A very short list of hacky sack songs that we like to put on when we hack. One of them being Sugar Ray Fly. Mm. <laughs> and and Past the Duchy is always one of them, too. So I know that you can have fun to this song. You know, I, I give you uh, the two things. I give you props for actually admitting that you have a, a soundtrack to hacky sacking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I actually give you props for uh, the upper layer that you're actually admitting that you, you, it sounds like you currently still hacky sack. Oh yes, absolutely. Still hacky sack all the time. In fact, Vinny, I don't know if you know this, but punchline has punchline hacky sacks. Oh, we actually have like really nice ones with our logo on them. We had like a box of hundreds of them. And every time we'd kick it on a roof or something, Steve would go in the van and get another one. I'm like, dude, we have used so many of our own hacky sacks. I think half of our inventory ended up on roofs or in uh, sewer grates or whatever, but very serious 
hacky sack band. You may not have known that. Where we, you know what? I, I I didn't, and now I know. And now there's another another layer of uh, punchline lore. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because. To be honest, all four of us are very good at hacky sack. We do stalls, we do jesters, tricks. I, I'm not even joking about this. It's been something that we've done as a band for years, especially when we had those late night drives where you're stopped at a rest stop and you need to wake yourself up and you've already drank a couple Red Bulls. We would play hacky sack to get the blood pumping and basically try to wake ourselves back up but <laughs> also awesome. as a time killer in every backstage and <laughs> definitely have got yelled at by sound guys for <laughs> hacking around the stage and stuff and and felt bad about that but yeah we take it very seriously i i, I am uh, on that level i can appreciate the seriousness of it to the point of get actually getting custom merch i mean i i, yeah. I applaud you and uh steve especially just because yeah. I, I i know it takes take some uh, guts to admit all of this right now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got to also ask Corey, our drummer, he hasn't been on One Hit Thunder yet, but he wanted to do this song as well. He's going to be bummed when he found out another drummer took it. <laughs> but, Dude, you snooze, you lose, Corey. What's up? Yeah, man, mm -hmm. I know. But this is a, a drummer favorite for sure. <laughs> Vinny, I guess one thing I'm wondering before we get into musical youth a little more is obviously you have been involved in ska music for a very long time. But how deep do you go into reggae? I go pretty deep, man. You know, for me, I, I kind of, I, I love ska music, but over the last maybe five years, I've gotten, I, I've, I've done the deep dive on reggae. So, which I prefer reggae over, over ska. If someone said, pick one, reggae music or ska music, I would say, I, I'm going to pick reggae music because there's something about it that just, uplifts more and the type of ska that i like is usually kind of the darker the darker edgier stuff so with all things equal i would i would take the reggae side okay well that's that's a good answer i thought your answer was going to be just like my answer would be about pop punk music that you've just you've had ska music pounded in your head too much over the past couple decades and maybe you were sick of it or something but i'm glad that's not the answer actually <laughs> yeah i i'm i'm not sick of ska music i love ska music i mean i i fly the flag of ska music you know as well as right. punk music it's it's for me something that's been a soundtrack since i was a teenager and in my back of my brain i, I think that i provided some of the soundtrack as well for other people but with that said the, one of my passions musically is is reggae music as well as ska obviously but over the last maybe 5 years i've done some deep dives into to reggae music and that's on a daily, that's the type of music that I listen to. That's awesome, man. So I did a little dive personally because I feel like I'm a fair weather reggae fan. I like reggae music, but that probably stems out of liking Sublime as a teenager and just going <laughs> from there, which is, which is the my, most white dude way to uh, get into reggae. But I don't know, man, I love Sublime. And but <laughs> that's beside the point. One thing that there's all these terms and things that I always hear in reggae songs that I never knew what they meant. And so today, in preparation for this episode, I wanted to go over a few of them. Maybe they're things you've heard. I'm sure they're things you've heard and see if you know what they mean. And I don't mean to put you on the spot with it because I don't know that if anyone knows <laughs> what these things mean. <laughs> but one thing that I noticed in this song, in the musical youth song, they say at the beginning, always heard Sublime saying it in their songs or whatever, is version. Why are people always saying version? Do you notice that? 
I, I have not noticed that. Okay. But, but we could talk about it. Let's talk it out. You might not realize they're saying it. Like in this song, they go, version or something like that. And and I always heard Sublime saying it. But basically, version, if you hear someone saying version in a reggae song, which you might notice now that's been pointed out, it means it's an alternative cut of a song made for a DJ to toast over. Thing. Do you know about what toast is? <laughs> That toast is when you're chatting over over a song, right? Or you can in other versions of it where it's sort of like a percu- verbal percussion over an uh, instrumental track, right? So yeah, the version is like a different a different version of the song. But for some reason, I always heard that in reggae songs. Another thing that I've heard said a lot in reggae songs is Babylon. Do you know what that is in reference to? <laughs> it's in, ref- in reference to Rastafarian religion, right? So, well, like- that's what I assumed because I think of like that Rivers of Babylon song and, and things like that. And I think that, that you can be correct in, in that scenario. But most of the time when, when you hear Babylon in a reggae song, it's referring to the corrupt establishment, a.k.a. the system. <laughs> I learned that today, man. <laughs> I will I will give you that and kind of go like, all right. You know, for me, like, it's always was, you know, reference to Rastafarianisms where, you know, where it's a specific place, you know, where people were forced, like slaves were forced to, to work and hardships. So when people go like, Hey, this is what it is, and there's Babylon in there. It's always for me represented like this, like hardships. You had to go through like these hardships, so that's why Babylon. Right. I put it together on that. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Then that's basically basically what the the definition that I found there for it. Another thing, this is probably an easy one. Irie, you know what Irie? <laughs> <laughs> I I think I know, but I like your I like your Google definitions better. So, (laughs) Irie, basically, yeah, I I figured this is what excellent, cool, highest state of feeling great. So, I'm always trying to get that Irie feeling, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's the the you could go to Jamaica and you could go to like or even Orlando, and it has like shirts that say Irie on it. And you know, for for me, when I have heard that in songs and when I've saw it and heard it in context i always thought a equated it to being high right right but b more so elevated is the the right word i guess that like i would use where everything is centered and everything is peaceful and and everything is the way that it should be is what i've taken in context of song yeah before. yeah and i like that definition of it <laughs> a heightened state of being where we're all trying to be man we're all trying to be irie <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all just trying to get elevated man to the to the right spot that's right hell yeah man uh another thing that i looked up that i heard a lot and i don't mean to make any assumptions about you Vinny, but i kind of assume that you're not a drake fan are you a drake fan i mean i i have heard a bunch of drake songs and i like some drake songs but Okay. Our old stagehand Jimmy Nguyen was a huge Drake fan, so I would uh I would have to be in the middle of that. So okay, let's let, let, let proceed. <laughs> he put out an album called More Life a few years back that was very heavy on the reggae dance hall influences. Uh, okay. Just for that one album, but he had a song called Madiba Rhythm and Rhythm. Do you know what? Ri- I mean, obviously, it sounds like rhythm. Rhythm. 
Do you know what that is uh, in reference to reggae music? It's just a beat, is is what mm-hmm. I would think. You know, your Google, right. your Google version. I, I I love the Google version. <laughs> it says rhythm refers to an instrumental, stripped down version of a reggae, ska, or dancehall mm-hmm. song. It is usually heavy on drums and bass, and it is often played while dancehall DJ toasts. Your previous guest, Obi Fernandez, he uses yes. that particular word and that particular context in writing some songs in the later era inevitable stuff that is a bit more reggae yeah we have the rhythm first and then we have to and I go okay man i i got it so i i think you're right on that man i think that even obi has used that in the correct context before where for Hell me yeah, man. the beat the, the backbeat of whatever song is what i always gathered and that would be my like so- song definition by just listening to the music right and as a as a drummer, here's an, another one for you. One drop. Do you know what one drop is? Uh, it's just single kick, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, the snare drum rhythm that is a major part of the sound of reggae music. The one drop rhythm was popularized by Carlton Barrett of Bob Marley and the Wailers. I think we all know that beat. Yes. It's slackness. Do you know what slackness is? I, I don't know what slackness is. Yeah, I've, I've heard that in songs. These are all, all things I've at least heard in passing, but slackness is the word for vulgarity or profanity in Jamaican music, and it's also used to refer to the subgenre of dancehall music that is known for rude, vulgar, or profane lyrics. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, sl- awesome. slackness, man. That sounds like, it sounds like my kind of shit. I'm going to check it out. Patois? You know what patois is? I don't. It's the Afro-English dialect widely spoken in Jamaica and many reggae and ska songs are sung in Patois. And then yeah, I, I only have a couple more here. And these ones, <laughs> these ones you, you've definitely not heard, but I just thought they were funny. <laughs> One of them is blouse and skirt, which is a common exclamation of surprise. So if you were surprised, <laughs> I guess you would say blouse and skirt. I've never heard ever <laughs> that ever, but I love it. Now I might have to use it. Dude, if I can uh, incorporate that into my everyday vocabulary, I think that would be awesome. You know what? I, I think I might have to uh, co-op a little blouse and skirt for a, uh... For some comedy, yeah, so. man. <laughs> uh, the two other things I found I found before we get back into musical youth were cease and seckle, okay, which means stop everything and relax. So if things are getting out of control at band practice or whatever, you could just make the announcement: cease and seckle. Let's just stop and relax, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, which I thought was really funny, is bosun tone which means I, I have no idea what this is in reference to or why this would be something that is related to reggae music but it means swollen penis or testicles <laughs> bosun tone <laughs> nice yeah so there, there's a little, little dive into some things you might hear in reggae music uh, i don't know if you're going to hear bosun tone that often but you might hear version or slack you know what uh, I, i'm amazed just because i think half of what you just said at definitely has some uh, adult themes to it so <laughs> right which might not apply to pass the duchy a song sung by children that was a cover as we mentioned of the mighty diamonds song pass the and how you pronounce it coochie? I would say coochie yeah <laughs> okay pass the coochie which was a song about recreational drug use which was not uncommon in reggae music it seems like that is one of the most common themes of reggae music peace love and smoking weed, which makes it so it should be a, a very uh, popular form of music, which it is. So I'm going to tell you a story real quick, right? About okay, reggae good. music is my, 
my wife when she was pregnant and we, you know, we've just listened to a bunch of reggae music and it was kind of, that's where the love of it really kind of kicked off. It, that's the, the thing that would kind of mellow her out. And, and just, we listened to it throughout her pregnancy when I was home and she listened to it when, even when I was gone on tour, but she was like, Hey, you know, I never knew that like marijuana was the slang for it was called iguana. And I go, it's not. I've never heard. I, I, I've never heard a slang iguana ever from from marijuana. And she was like, "No, like there's a song from John Holt, and he says police helicopter is searching for my iguana." And I was like, "No," he says, "searching for my marijuana." And she's like, "It says iguana," and it was for the longest time like this point of contention where it'd be like, "Oh, it, it's it says iguana." I'm like, "No, it says marijuana." So. One day we're just driving in the car and we're listening to the satellite radio and the John Holt song, Police Helicopter, came on. And as soon as it comes through, I go, searching for marijuana. And she was like, oh, shit, it's not iguana. It's marijuana, I go. <laughs> exactly. But nice. now, it's, now, it's, now it's the joke that, like, yeah, it's, it's, well, I, I'm going to go out and get some iguana. I'm going to do whatever iguana. I wouldn't have been one bit surprised if, at some point people called it iguana like let me hit that iguana <laughs> let me hit that iguana real quick why i mean why not <laughs> it makes sense after your list of stuff like i yeah. mean if if you said iguana it'd be like hell yeah there it is yeah right why not uh, <laughs> but but speaking of that this song that is sung by children <laughs> to make it appropriate for children to be singing it it was changed you know one of the lyrics in the original song is how does it feel when you got no herb so it was changed to how does it feel when you got no food? And this song became a commentary on poverty and starvation. And, you know, it's kind of a shame that it got just associated with being a weed song <laughs> again to me and everyone who heard it in The Wedding Singer and after. But but when you, you look at the lyrics, it's just like we recently talked about the song Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Uh-huh. And once again, it's one of those songs. It's an upbeat song that makes you feel good. That's about serious things it, that song was about police brutality and riots and yet when you hear the song it just makes you want to party and that's once again this song makes you want to party and have a good time but when you, you read the lyrics it's about very sad things well you know what that's the beauty of reggae music though reggae music you know you dance to it and you're having a good time to it but put the political message of reggae music has always been firmly there, right? You know, you have that lover's rock side of it, which is about being in love and about the opposite sex, no matter if that's like just sexual or if that's like being in love or whatever the case is. But then on the polar opposite side, it's just political sort of beliefs and kind of uh, social political commentary, man. And that's one of the things that I love about it, man. I, I love music that has this dichotomy, man, that feels like one thing but it really is this complete opposite man and that's that's a beautiful thing to me right i know reggae music and ska music have such deep roots in social commentary and and you you know exactly what you're saying about it is there's more to it than just that sound (laughs) the sound is great the sound makes you feel good regardless of what the lyrics were the sound of reggae music is going to make you feel good but to use that and have a message behind it just makes it that much more important of music. And I don't know, it just makes it not fluff, you know? Well, I I mean, think about it. Even nursery rhymes, which is this sort of like simple rhythm and people know nursery rhyme songs. But if you start to like, 
deep dive nursery rhyme songs, it's pretty crazy, man. They have to do right. with race and they have to do with, you know, a lot of social commentary and political commentary. A lot of them are based in sort of like nightmarish shit and horror. Those are the things that I, I gravitate to songs and I gravitate to styles of music that as you peel the, the layers away, there's more. I, I just don't right. like, you know, I generally don't gravitate to music that is just one dimensional. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. I like digging in and, I, and, and knowing things, you know? It's like the Beach Boys, it's good music, but once you start diving into a lot of the background and the personal stuff, it becomes even deeper you know it's like you know the fa- sort of family and the dad being you know an abuser right. but having these beautiful songs that come out of it and group of, of brothers sort of building up scars but in the process making just you know amazingly layered and beautiful music that stands the test of time so i like that stuff but and someone said to me it's like you love slayer and you love a lot of fast punk rock but you play ska music and you like reggae it's like it can't always be 180 BPM blowing your face off. Sometimes you have to unwind and just relax and you need something to work to and, and right. just something that you're hanging out. That's a soundtrack. And that to me is, is reggae music. And I think for a lot of people, it, it's reggae music. Right. Hey, there's two points that I want to talk to you specifically about that relate to what you just said. One, once you learn Brian Wilson's story and then go back and listen to pet sounds. It's like a whole new world. And it's exactly what you're saying is when you see how, how deep that goes and you know what went into those songs, they, I mean, they're already amazing songs when you don't know. Uh, but then you find out everything about him and then about that recording process and the way it went. And it's just like your mind is blown. So yeah, to that point, 
Jesus, if anyone listening hasn't, I don't know, watched a Beach Boys documentary or, or something that, that just makes it on that album. There's a few of the most beautiful songs ever written I in, in my belief in a lot of people's, a lot of people's ears. <laughs> and if you deep dive on it, achingly beautiful, knowing the backstory. Right. And right. Uh, I remember when we were doing, it was before Anthem and Rob Cavallo who produced Anthem, but he produced Green Day and Good Good Dolls and right. a bunch of other music. Less Than Jake contingent for the most part is Beatles. So he was like Beatles or the Beach Boys, you know, and the, everybody else in the band is like, you know, Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. And I'm like, it's the Beach Boys. And he was like, but why? It's like, because once you know and you peel the layer back of what those songs are about and the process that happened and everything that goes into it, it deepens an already great song and great songwriting and great production. It deepens it so much that you could never put your feet into the bottom of the pool on that song, right? Where right. there's other songs that, you know, you could reach the bottom of that song, no problem, and, and listen to it and and still be like, oh, yeah, that's a great song with great production. But Pet Sounds, I, I could never reach the bottom of the pool, man. There's so much going on. And it means right. so much. And there's so many layers to it that it makes me want to listen more and want to know more. And I, I think that's a sign of good music. There, there's something, it's a shame that it comes to this, but there's something about the tortured artist, the the people that are honestly in pain. And that's the same way when I listen to Harry Nilsson. It's just like, wow. Like the, when I hear uh, Without You, and it's just, this is real music. This isn't something that... You know, not that all music isn't real music, but you you can feel when someone's faking that. I, I think I think most people can when when someone's phoning it in. But like that that that's another person. Yeah, you're not going to get to the bottom of that pool. I like I that's a good that's a good metaphor, man. <laughs> you could just <laughs> you could keep diving into that for sure. Yeah, man. The the other thing I wanted to touch on real quick, and I know you've had to have this experience, and I know that you're. A person who very involved in punk rock music for so long is these people here and there. I'm not saying everybody here and there. I know a few people that love punk rock music, like punk rock, like even more than I do love punk rock, the, the sound of punk rock music, but do not give one fuck about the message behind it. <laughs> Be who just see it seems to have just gone over their heads i mean i'm talking about people that would love propaganda and would love uh bad religion and yet yet these same people that the the social commentary message behind this music that you love just completely goes over their head and then you'll see them writing bullshit where you're like oh my god how do you like punk rock music and feel this way about things i don't know you know maybe some people would argue like punk rock's about feeling the way you feel but you know i kind of feel like sometimes people really miss the message of i don't know that these these overarching things like inclusion and equality i feel like those are things that were a major part of punk rock or at least what i what I thought punk rock yep. was about, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't know if you've, you've noticed that you've, you know, I'm sure I, you've I, I, well, yeah, well, you know, here, here's the thing for me, especially recently because of the election coming up. Uh, and once there's specific lyrics and things like that, that, that pass by in songs new and old, and people are like, keep politics out of ska punk music. Keep, like, politics out of, 
keep politics out of punk rock music. Well, sorry to tell you, man, it's it's already baked in. You can't yeah. pull it out. And for any time that I see someone's like, I'm just listening to pop punk because I want to have fun and I want to like sing and I want to dance at a show and I don't care about what they say. Well, guess what, man? Like there's a ton of people that do care about it. And there's a ton of people that don't care about it, that live blindly in sort of uh, what the melody is. And I guess we touched on it, right? It's that a nursery, a nursery rhyme, you go, oh, it's just this catchy thing. And no one really pays attention to the lyric, right? But if you dive into a nursery rhyme, these things for kids, these things that were, that are embedded in you, if you start to listen to the lyric and start to understand the lyric, it's pretty crazy and pretty adult-oriented things. So I, I see it all the time, especially on Facebook. And, and there's friends of mine and great friends and, and lifelong friends that are anti-politics in music but still love punk rock music and ska and ska punk music. That never computed with me, and it doesn't like – stand up to the acid test. Like, so you either like this music and it's just superficial on the surface. You just like the melody and the speed or whatever it is. Right. I don't get that. I'm a lyric guy, dude. Like, so for me, I lyrics drive everything. If a lyrics mediocre, I can never sit with it. It, I, I can surely listen to it and go, yeah, it's a catchy song but it can never be part of the fabric that that I like sort of weave in this gigantic blanket of like music, right? Right. It can never be part of that like blanket. It can never mean so much to me if the lyrics are mediocre or they're just kind of babble or or whatever. And right. so for me like I'm I'm a lyric guy. There's other people who have no idea what the song is about and I've I've been on the other side of that before people are like and singing the song back you know a lesson jake song back and going dude that's not even the lyric like that's not even as close to the lyric as anything or when tr- someone tries to sort of explain back to you what a uh, lyric that you written and i'm like dude did you read the lyrics on this like i remember there was a song called shotgun right and uh, someone was like oh yeah like that song shotgun i love it because that's when you get the you like call the front seat and like when you're driving <laughs> in your friend's car i'm like dude that that has nothing to do with the song it literally is nothing about the song except for the title shotgun and that's it it, it has nothing to do with with what you're saying no 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 and i'm like all right Cool. Like yeah. uh, no problem. But uh, again, like I see it all the time, especially recently with ska punk music talking about politics and people are going, keep politics out of ska punk music or keep politics out of punk rock music. You can't do it. It's already baked into the history, man. You can't yeah, do, do it. Do a search on Google and read about punk rock on Wikipedia for, I don't know, three sentences. And you'll see that that is more part of the definition of punk rock than Anything from the guitar tones to the drum beat to the melodies, the the definition of, of you know, politics are baked into it. And dude, the funniest thing I saw was, you know, I followed Tom Morello on Twitter and him retweeting people telling him of all people keep his opinion about politics out or like, you know, out of 
uh, like you're talking to the dude who I don't know when it comes to people that have been outspoken about politics and stuff rage against the machine are probably the first band I think of and there there are literally people out there that are so thick skulled or something that don't even realize that that's so beyond strange to me well I mean you can't even go it would be like someone lighting liking anti-flag and then yeah. going, keep politics out of your music, bro. Like, dude, it's already baked in. Rage yeah. Against the Machine. <laughs> Who's the machine? What is the band named after <laughs> the machine, man? Like, and I, dude, it happens. But it, to go to bring it back to to musical youth and right. past the duchy, it's a social political commentary song, right? right? And but it's so catchy, and it's done by kids, and that it breezes by anyone. Anyone that wants to ignore the message can easily ignore the message and have a really good, fun listen to musical youth past the duchy or Eddie Grant's Electric Avenue or Bob Marley, any song, right? Uh, But I'm here to tell you that the beauty about this song and reggae music and punk music that there's other layers to dive in if you want them to if you want them they are there if you want right. to dive in and wade down and see if you could reach the bottom go for it but there's some people who want none of that they just want a catchy ass song they could crack a bud light too when it's <laughs> you know 72 degrees and they're in their out you know they're outside right. feet in the pool or wherever wherever they are and they just want a catchy song that goes by. No big deal. You know, they want Don't Worry, Be Happy. Right, exactly. Dude, and you know, Less Than Jake's a great example of a band where, yeah, you could listen to the to Less Than Jake albums front to back and you could tap your toe to them and you could have a nice day listening to them and, and you, could, you could enjoy the hell out of them for years to come. But if you want to dive deeper, and I'm sure, dude, I'm a huge Lesson Jake fan, and I'm sure there are tons of songs that I haven't done that. And I'll still discover things from from a song from Anthem or Hello Rockview that I didn't know or realize like what that lyric was or what it meant. So it is cool when you can do that. And it is more than just woes or, you know, superficial lyrics and, you know, a lot of music that I love you can do that with you. You might sometimes if you're, if you're going to listen to bad religion, you might need a thesaurus and a dictionary next to you to figure <laughs> yeah, out what yeah. it's about. But it's, it's adds that extra layer that you're talking about, which is really cool when, when it comes to musical youth, Hey dude, what's super impressive uh, not to do a hard turn here, but musical youth, their album youth of today, which I think is great song, by the way. Yeah. That's a great song too on this album. Yeah. And it's also was later a hardcore straight edge band that's true <laughs> uh, again. <laughs> that, uh, that then the singer of that band went on to start shelter and become a Harry Krishna and everything. I love shelter. Great band beside the point, <laughs> <laughs> dude, that youth of today album by musical youth sold 4 million copies. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you see on YouTube how many times that that song was listened to on the the video was was played on YouTube? It was eighteen million times. Wow. So so it goes to show you that it, it's it's embedded in the fabric of modern music, man. People go back to it. Right, right. And I'm I'm sure that maybe 
four to five thousand of those plays were punchline when we were hacky sacking, but <laughs> that's, that's beside the point. Uh, hey, they were also nominated for a Grammy. I didn't see which one, but but yeah, man, that's pretty impressive. And one thing we always like to look at on here is so this song came out uh, nineteen eighty three. Actually, it was I said eighty two earlier in the episode, but this song hit its peak on the Billboard charts on February 26, 1983. And so what we always look at is what else was going on that allowed for musical youth to be high in the charts, which it hit number 10 in the United States. It hit number 10 in the United States, but it hit number one in Mm -hmm. the UK, Australia, Belgium, Canada, Ireland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and Switzerland. And it hit number two in France and Germany. So kind of a little lower in the United States, but here's what was going on in the U.S. at that time. That week that it hit number 10, Down Under by Men at Work was number eight. Mm. Huge song that year. One yeah, of the biggest huge. that year. Number six, Hungry Like the Wolf, Duran Duran. Number five was Culture Club, Do You, Re- Do you Really Want to Hurt Me? Number four was Billie Jean, Michael Jackson. Like, God damn, this yeah. was a pretty impressive week for the charts. Like to be for musical youth to be even number 10, like no wonder they only hit number 10. Look at these heavy hitters, man. Heavy hitters. Yeah. And number one, which I had to go back and look it up on YouTube because I didn't really remember it by the name, but then I heard it and I'm like, oh yeah, of course I know this song is baby come to me by Patty Austin and James Ingram. Do you know that? You know what that is? You'll definitely know it if you yeah, come it. to me. Yes. And put your arms around. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> uh, and, and this is another little side note of that is so I looked up that song and see what it was. And the top comment on it was from a user named Forbidden Fruit. And it said, <laughs> it said, classy in every way. This was a time when artists were valued for their true talent. No sagging pants, no booty and breast hanging out, no profanity or vulgarity. It was all class, professionalism, and real talent. <laughs> that was the number one comment for uh, Baby Come to Me. Uh, and, and I would assume that if you could geolocate that comment in some way, it would be coming from like, you know, North Dakota or Montana uh, yeah. or someplace, right? Absolutely. Forbidden fruit. <laughs> was definitely the heartland. So Musical Youth had a lot to compete with. So I am impressed. I am too. You know, they they went on to do what I think it, it was a collab with Donna Summer, right? Yes. Yep, they and, did. And it's what I think is the, the blueprint for later era rap music, where the hook was provided by somebody else. And then the verse was provided by a different artist right so right. when you listen to that song i think it was for a soundtrack i can't remember but i think it was a soundtrack song and i listened to it today and i went man this is the blueprint for modern rap if you think about it that was 83 i think that song came out with donna summer yeah Unc- uh, unconditional love was the name of the song yeah and I, I was like, man, this is this is right on. This is right on to me. And you had musical youth that were providing sort of like the, it was a little bit a- Afro reggae, a little bit, right? Mm-hmm, and right. they were providing the hook, and she was kind of doing all of the main parts. And that's if that's not what you know, blueprint for modern rap music songwriting was. I don't know what what it is. Right, <laughs> dude. Another thing I I really I wanted to point out about that unconditional love song is. That it has, I don't know if they're real ones or if they're synth ones, but it has steel drums. And dude, 
I love steel drums. I do too. <laughs> There's something about it. Have you have you used steel drums? Like I was trying to think, did Les and Jake have steel drums? I don't, did you? No, no yeah. steel drums. No steel drums. Yeah, I just, I even think of that Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart had a song that was on the Legal Eagles soundtrack that was Love Touch. Do you happen to know that song? I know the song, yeah. Who you gonna give a, who you gonna give a, and that song had steel drums in it. It's just like every time he'll hear steel drums, I'm like, damn, I love steel drums. Why have I not tried to incorporate steel drums into a punchline song yet? And I don't know if that would be jumping the shark or what, but I love steel drums and I love a good xylophone every once in a while. There's something about it that just makes me feel good. <laughs> I, I think for sure that you can get away with a xylophone and a future punk or and a future punchline song. I have no yeah, doubt. For sure. I always think that there's a no effects song on heavy petting zoo that uses yeah, a xylophone. Fil- yeah, fil- filthy Phil yep. philanthropist. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know something I like about it and, and I, I can't help it. My ears like it. I like that ear candy as we like to call it. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, man, we'll wrap this up. We At the end of every episode, we decide if the song brings the one hit thunder or if it was a one hit blunder. I don't even think we need to go into that. I think we both agree that this song is absolute one hit thunder unless you <laughs> I, I, no, no. I mean, this is this is one hit thunder, man. I mean, t- to the point being that it still stands the test of time and you listen to it and you go, God damn, this is, this is just great. And this is catchy. And if you want to dive in a little bit deeper, it's there for you there too, man. Like, and, right. and that's the beauty of it being the thunder is when there's multi layers you could jump into. Absolutely, man. And, and before we go, I also want to mention, you know, we've had a couple other people involved in the project on one hit thunder lately, but if you haven't check out the inevitables, you guys have a new song dropping soon here. New song came out way to the worry, but then the side band of the inevitables, like a a side, the actual band that's in the comic book called who will meet me at the gates that is out today and that song is called good grief and the band is again who will meet me at the gates and if you like campfire punk rock mixed with indie rock mixed with a healthy dose of uh if you believe in god or not uh who will meet me at the gates is great (laughs) so so jump in uh i I think that uh if you're questioning the existence of a higher power i got five songs for you (laughs) for you to check out Nice. Congratulations on everything that's going on with the inevitables. What a ambitious project, man, that it it makes my head spin thinking about all the planning and teamwork and meetings that have to go into a comic book with accompanying music and just an entire, you're creating an entire universe there. And that is so fucking cool, man. So I will will give you a, a little clue to the future. Bef- uh, let me think. By December 20th, we will have 23 songs released. Damn. Dude, that's impressive. That's amazing. Yeah, it's wild, and, uh, man. Dude, thanks for coming on. And in retrospect, uh, thanks for being a big time uh proponent and friend to my band punchline and to me and for hey, thanks for signing my band back in the day man <laughs> uh, all, all that all that good stuff you know uh for anyone who's listening and doesn't know Vinny signed my band and took took us on tour so <laughs> that's yeah, pretty m- m- multiple cool. times my friend <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> but uh yeah man it's really nice to talk to you again and uh i hope to see you real soon right on man thanks chris 
been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Mathios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. Underneath me, you're hearing Keystone off Punchline's album, Delightfully Pleased. Visit punchline.com for some merch, including their new music special on DVD. And when the world opens up and the band can tour again, go get yourself one of those Punchline hacky sacks that Chris was talking about this week. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us in your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.